Football Pod on OTB Sports. And the best thing about Dublin all through their great period was the fact that they had these characters that when it came to the big moments and embraced the ground shaking in Crop Air. The Football Pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now then, so uh, more reaction to New Zealand 12, Ireland 23 in Dunedin. A fourth win for Ireland against New Zealand and, of course, a first on Kiwi soil. The Maoris uh, tomorrow morning. Keith Earls will captain the side against the Maoris tomorrow morning. And then Wellington for Test 3 on Saturday uh, very much looms large. Happy to say Matt Williams is with us. Hi, Matt. G'day, Joe. How are you, mate? I'm great. And Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent. Hello, Rory. Hey, Joe. Hey, Matt. So, uh, Rory, you know, four wins and seven. It's getting a bit easy against New Zealand. Yeah, getting used to this. And it's, uh, I think for Irish rugby, it's a pretty nice experience after all those years of hurt, you know. Um, probably the most comfortable Ireland have been against New Zealand, um, down in part to their own excellence and in part to New Zealand's really, really, like one of the worst New Zealand performances I've ever seen. And that, again, is, is in part down to the pressure that Ireland put them under. But it was, uh, yeah, it was such an impressive like it had all reflected nearly all of the good things about Irish rugby night and and the team that Andy Farrell has assembled, the way they play. Apart from maybe their composure in the twenty-two, that's the one thing they were lacking because they probably should have won this game far more comfortably. Everything else was was right on point, and they they, you know, proved, you know, I was questioned the team selection last week. They rewarded their coach who, who showed faith in them, and they did it in style as well. It was pretty impressive stuff. Matt, absolutely. Um... Todd Blackadder, the great all-black captain, said to me once that test match rugby at its essence is a mental game. And I think the two test matches show that. New Zealand mentally in the first test were absolutely brilliant. Their, their performance in Newton Park was, was almost flawless, as flawless as you can get in rugby. And the Irish mentality was just not right. They, they weren't ready for what New Zealand threw at them. And the second test was almost a mirror image. New Zealand looked like they just expected to win, and I, I agree with Rory completely. I can't recall a poorer New Zealand performance, and much of that has to be given to the, to the excellence of Ireland, who mentally were up for it. And there's no greater example than that than their defence. Their defence in the first test was as poor as I've seen Ireland defend and their defence in the second test, which is 101 away from home, Joe. You've heard me say that a 100 times. When you're on the road, you've got to have your D absolutely in order if you have any chance of winning, and they did. And their attack was also great. Uh, their tactics were great. It was a, uh, a comprehensive win in, on New Zealand soil like I have very, very rarely seen. On the issue of defence, Matt, I saw Johnny Sexton was asked afterwards about improvements in the performance uh, week two versus week one. Uh, one of the things he mentioned was that Ireland transitioned very well from attack to defence when there was an error or a mistake or a turnover. We saw in Test 1 how deadly New Zealand are from turnover ball. Aside from that, which Sexton did mention, just in general play, what, what was different about the Irish defence in Test 2? Well, well, I think if I take you back to Test 1, Joe, what New Zealand were doing, their tactic was really simple. They, were, they, they used Aaron Smith, their halfback's, phenomenal pass uh, to get wide. So the forwards were running much, much wider than Ireland were anticipating. They were running at about the fourth Irish defender on his on his outside shoulder. 
and then they would do the same going back the same way or again. And it was moving the Irish players laterally in the line. They had to adjust in the line. And they weren't they simply weren't coming forward. And all Ireland did, it sounds like all they did, I don't mean it like it was just nothing. But they got they didn't have to panic as much with their lines, their uh, adjustment laterally because they were going forward. And they went forward, they met the New Zealand defenders, they were very effective in their tackles, and they competed well at the breakdown, and they didn't allow New Zealand to do what they did in the first test. So, again, if you take time and space away from the offensive team as a defender, which is your goal, it's amazing how that comes uh, behind you in your play. You tend to get that time and defence into your play that you take away from the opposition, which is exactly what New Zealand did the week before. It sounds so simple, and in some ways it is, but when you're playing the great New Zealand team in New Zealand, to do it, and to rest that momentum back, it's, it's, it's just unbelievably hard, Joe. And again, that comes back to their mindset. You know, their mindset gives you belief. Belief gives you that opportunity to perform. And if you get a good performance, that gives you the opportunity to, to win. So it, they, they changed their mindset and they had a belief that they could do it. They simplified things down and just went about it with a lot more aggression and a lot more uh, go forward in both attack and defence. And for the second week in a row, Rory, hell of a start. I mean, Ireland led from the third minute in this game right the way through. And akin to the previous week, first 15, 20 minutes, in a total dominance, really. If anything, the big concern everybody would have had on, on, on uh, this side of the equation was that 10-7 at halftime was an incredibly miserable return for that dominance. That was the worry. Yeah, I, if you remember, the 2018 team were really, really good just before half time. They used to go up uh, four levels and they, they nearly always scored in, in first half injury time and they, they really rammed their advantage home at that time. This Ireland team are incredible out the gap. They just come out come out of the blocks really quick. At the moment, they did it in both halves of both games. Um, you know, To score that try, to, to show that level of control and cohesion from the off, to make the right decisions after facing the Hakka and all the things. I mean, it's a, it's a long build-up out in New Zealand. You come out to the pitch, you have to do two anthems, you have to face the Hakka, there's TV ads. There's a lot of time, you know, a lot of teams would want to feel their way into the game to play it safe, but Ireland didn't. They, they tore into it from the off, they went after New Zealand's line-out, they applied pressure across every aspect of, of the pitch. And, you know, that they were... Again, falling off a little bit before half time is a bit of a concern. That you know that that the, the second quarter was again a bit problematic for them. Definitely worried me at half time. But it, even the shot of the Ireland dressing room at half time, where Farrell is presenting to a kind of an attentive group of players, is, there's no. It's a very calm uh, situation. You know, not a lot of voices. You know, it looked like they were all taking in the information. Someone was then presenting from the a, a big screen underneath where our camera was. It just like you know, I know dressing rooms are no longer the kind of tub thumping places they used to be or so we're led to believe but it just you know they exuded a calmness and then they come out and they deliver they execute so clearly in the first couple of minutes after half time as well when they were 14 on 14 as well they didn't make hay when they had when they were against 13 they actually you know they scored most of their points when they were you know uh, equal numbers with the, with the all blacks which was which was remarkable as well so um it's a it's a great thing to have because they're good front runners. If they can get ahead, they're they're good at leading. They take good decisions. They're not as good when they fall behind as we saw last week. So, um, you know, if they can play to that strength and if they can start games that way, we saw what England did to Dublin in twenty nineteen with that outrageous start. Um, that kind of almost emasculated Irish rugby for for nearly eighteen months afterwards. Um, it's a pretty good thing to have in your locker when you can come out and start that well. Yeah, Matt, talk to us about the Irish attack then because lots seem to be working very well. Again, I've got to give 
uh, Andy Farrell and Mike Cat, great credit. Um, Freddie Igo, who was my uh, analyst at, at Leinster in Scotland, was putting some things out during the week. And it was all about that Ireland attacked the New Zealand front row in the defensive line. They found a way to find them time and time and time again. You think uh, the two sin bins, uh, obviously, sorry, the red card and sin bin props, like when they were mismatched against men with faster feet, when uh, Ty Boom went through, it was a prop that missed a tackle. It was time and time again, Ireland were running with that triangle of players they have, the ball carrier left and right and an outlet at one or two of the New Zealand props and putting them really under pressure. And you think of those little ta uh, tap-on passes that Ireland were getting away with. Then you saw Ireland, and when Ireland are good, they get their second and third pass in. So let's think, when Ireland have been beaten this year, Paris and uh, last week in, uh, in Auckland, you hardly saw that second or third pass because the defence was coming up there. They weren't set fast enough in, in offence and they couldn't get that second and third pass in last week. And for those glimpses in Paris for 10 minutes, sorry, this week and for those glimpses in Paris for 10, 15 minutes just after half time, Ireland were getting that second and third pass in Sexton out the back and Sexton was getting to ring rows and the boys out wide. Or it was the forwards going forward, giving the little tip on passes. And, and that's where Porter on that first try, you saw him charging onto that ball on a second pass. That's what they got did. So why? Because they put the, didn't allow the New Zealanders to get set like they did at Eden Park. And New Zealand were very slow off the line. Again, like Rory said, very poor from New Zealand, but that's because of the great pressure that Irish attack put on them. Joe, if I can take it back a little bit again, why I was excited last November about this offence that Cat and Farrell have put together, because this is the type of offence that can trouble the great teams of the world. doesn't mean you're going to do it every week, but if you don't have an offence like that, you're never going to do it. And, and I think there's huge credit goes to the coaching staff for the way they've changed, the way they thought. You look at the ability of them to take their team that was walloped at Eden Park to winning in Dunedin. This is a this is a, a coaching staff that really have their act together and the players really believe in it. So it's a, a really just circle of belief going through that group. And, and that this is so exciting for Irish rugby. So, so exciting that they get this win. This 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 is really opening doors of possibility that I probably didn't think they could do, uh, certainly I didn't think they could do 12 months ago. Yeah, I mean, it is somewhat surreal to be talking about a win on New Zealand soil and four wins and seven against the All Blacks. I just didn't think we'd ever really be talking about an Irish team in that kind of space. I, further to Matt's point then, Rory, a memory of November is us having discussions about how Sexton had numerous options and this was why Ireland were now uh, difficult to defend against because they were that bit more unpredictable. Sexton had options and who better than Sexton to pick the right options at times. I would say with the exception of uh, Wales at home in the Six Nations and Wales were very poor that day, uh, you know, a bit of a non-event. With the exception of, of that game, this is probably the closest to that November attack where Sexton seemed to just have option, option as Matt says, coming short and at the back and different pods here and different pods there and O'Gara, Ron O'Gara's on the show yesterday, he said it's as good a Sexton performance as he's seen in a very, very long time. Yeah, it's high praise and, you know, there's a fairly good back catalogue of uh, of performances to go on, you know, that, as, as you list them out, you know, but 
I thought their perform- attacking performance was very good last week as well. I thought that was the one thing they delivered on. They caused New Zealand all sorts of problems. They they, they, they look a smarter team than New Zealand right now. Um, they're making good decisions all the time. And their skill execution was very good, apart from in the, the 22. Like, I, mean, I don't think we can give them a, a 10 out of 10 for their attack because they got white line fever. I mean, that their 22 return was was pretty low over the weekend and that's one area they can really improve on it's one reason they should have some confidence going into next weekend that they can win the series is because they are getting into that area frequently and they're not getting the tries that they should be getting that they you know they're good enough to be getting they're getting you know Dan Sheehan's double movement um, you know scrums going you know the, the mall got you know getting getting held up the scrum penalty that went against them line outs that, that are going astray like these are all things they can tidy up and you know James Lowe's not gone against 13 players that was a really poor moment of execution from the team Lowe's pass over like I'm listing out moments like these are all chances Ireland had to, to double down to get to you know to win a record win in New Zealand they probably should have had a record win in New Zealand um, I'm talking like you know that, that could have been New Zealand's heaviest defeat on Saturday if Ireland had taken the chances that were available to them so while their shape is brilliant and I love watching it I think it's a really enjoyable style of rugby they're playing as well it's you know it's it, you can really get on board with this team because they play with such it's it's joyous you know when it flows it's just it, it's it, it, the options that Sexton has the danger that they pose the breaks that come off off their clever movement the hands the forwards are showing it's just it's an all court game and it's and it, you know I think the biggest tests they're going to have are going to be against the biggest, most physical teams like South Africa, England and France. But it gives them a chance against those teams, even though they don't have the horses for that course. They can pull those teams apart by playing this game. And um, to see it deliver, I suppose this is the beauty of a tour when he has them for a, a really long period of time and they've nowhere else to go. They're just training and living as rugby players. They, you know, they don't go home at the end of the week. They don't go back to their provinces for a while. This is where they get to really make gains in terms of their, you know, all sides of their game, but their attack in particular. So they should be getting better as this tour goes on, even if it is at the end of a long season. Matt, what was your read on, on uh, as Roy describes, their poor enough return inside the 22, considering the pressure and, uh, like, as we said, 10-7 halftime was a poor return. They were looking to go 17-0 up. All, all manner of, of, of mistakes and uncharacteristic moments. Anything jump out to you in that period? Yeah, I thought they blew it. I... You know, you get New Zealand with 13 men. Like, like that's a gift. It doesn't happen every day. And when they couldn't put points on during that period and they really managed or mismanaged that, the red card and yellow card periods in that game, you know, as bad as I've seen an Irish team do it, and then let New Zealand in, in the seconds after halftime, like it had already gone red for halftime, I thought, oh, here we go. You know, they're, they're going to blow this. They're going to blow this golden opportunity. But you know, again, again to Rory's point, they scored all their points when they, when they were even. They did. It's like they didn't bother when they had this numerical advantage. But it was sloppy. The refereeing was tough. I thought Sheen was hardly done by in the double roll. I didn't think anyone was near him at the time, and he had a right to go forward. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. They were error after error after error. Great teams can find a way to come back, and they did find a way to come back and score some points. And w- whether it's, you know, whether it's a record score or not, I I didn't care because if I take it back, John, I, I think I've said this to you a number of times as well. World Cup champions '91, Australia in '99, one uh, 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 England in 2003, South Africa 2019. Every one of those teams that won a World Cup won a game in New Zealand or drew a game. In the years, the seasons leading up to that World Cup, winning a game in New Zealand is so hard. But when you can do it, especially for for Ireland, have never done it. 
it just gives you such belief and it also gives you a psychological advantage over New Zealand knowing that you're going to take them on in the World Cup in, in 15 months' time. So as long as they – I didn't care how much they won by. You know, I didn't care if it was half a point. As long as they won, that was a massive, massive win. You know, that's, that's bigger than Chicago and it's bigger than Dunedin. That, that's to me, is the, the greatest single win in Irish rugby history. And um, they've got a chance to back it up this week, but I don't really care about this week. The fact you do it once, that's, that's all you need to have that – put that – place that monkey on New Zealand's back the next time. Uh, it, it, was, it was extraordinary in every way that they stuffed up the advantage, but they still managed to win. I mean, that's, that's going to do really terrible things to New Zealand heads. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. So you have that as the best win? Trump's a Grand Slam win, for instance. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what kind of version, Matt? Because Rory mentioned he's not all that impressed with New Zealand. What version of New Zealand are we getting here? Put this current effort across uh, last November and, and now um, here we are in June. This current team, give or take, compare them to New Zealand teams that we've seen over the last twenty to thirty years. Where are they? It's it's a really hard question um, to to give you a definite answer or, or, a, or a really accurate answer. I think, I think we do have to say, if, if we just, you know, stop being Irish rugby supporters here, there's no doubt Argentina and New Zealand last November were really fatigued from the COVID bubbles they've been living in. There's no doubt about that. But New Zealand do not have any excuses at home this June. Bubble's over. They've been playing at home, bit in Australia, but not much. They've had the best part of, of uh, seven months in New Zealand. Their performance at Eden Park last week was extremely good. It was an extremely good performance. We've got to give them credit in every area. But then, then seven days later, they were ex- exceptionally poor, as bad as I've ever seen in New Zealand. It's probably worse. I, I'm trying to think of a worse New Zealand performance. I can't really, I just can't really put my finger on one, but they were very inaccurate. So I think it's got a lot of, to, to get that answer, it's not the greatest New Zealand team of all side. To give Foster his two, he's got players out, he's moving them around. I think there's still some other players that will find their way into this side, especially in the back line. But I think the performance for New Zealand this coming week is very, very important. Uh, they're not the greatest New Zealand team, but there's never a really bad New Zealand team, if you no. know what I mean. Like They're still going to turn up and be a very good side. Yeah. Foster used words like substandard and... He referred mm. Rory to the number of errors as unacceptable, and he said for the newer players this was an eye opener. So he was pretty scathing, or as scathing as any coach is going to be publicly. What's your sense of the pressure on Foster? For instance, should he lose on Saturday? Will New Zealand make a change? Well, their next two games are South Africa away back to back. I think aren't, aren't they? So I mean, that's you know, that's not going to get any easier for him. So if they lose on Saturday, he's either not going to go on that tour because they'll change now. Um, or he's going to go to South Africa to play South Africa with a target on his back, and that's not an easy task. And you know, I know South Africa lost to Wales at last weekend, but they made nine changes to their team, and, and they're still, in my book, the hardest team to play against in the in the game. They're not the easiest to watch. They're probably the hardest team to watch as well in some ways, but they're um, you know, they still bring something that New Zealand don't have in, in terms of their their forward physicality. I mean, this this. New Zealand just don't seem like they're the market leaders anymore in terms of like they're not adapting to the game as it's currently being refereed. You know, like they're 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 going around lashing into people's heads as if it's still two thousand and four. You know, they're they're not they, like Ireland. Like Leinster brought in Hugh Hogan as a contact skills coach to get the players better at tackling so that they would reduce the number of concussions in their squad, but also to reduce the number of yellow and red cards. 
Um, Irish players have been sent off in, in those scenarios. Like Bundy Aki's been sent off twice. Peter Romani got sent off with the Rook a couple of years ago. Um, CJ Stander got sent off for a very similar offence to what Leicester Fyanganuku um, did on Saturday. But you don't like it's it's going to happen sometimes. Like they might have got red card. And, you know, I'll probably be eating my words that we have a red card on Saturday for a high shot. But it doesn't happen routinely. The, the European teams seem to be adapting better to the, the, the regulations than New Zealand are. I mean, they're going around giving out about Irish and um, the Irish coaches briefing the media and briefing World Rugby about the. Uh, you know, to, uh, and getting the reward from Jaco Piper on Saturday, but you know they've got uh, they've got the channels to go through as well. They're just not adapting to the game as it's as it's currently being refereed, and they want to go back to the twenty minute red card. They want to keep like going around concussing lads. You know, it's just mad that they they haven't adapted this. It was similar to you know they had a man sent off in twenty seventeen in the Lions series for a high shot. They don't, you know they should have had two players sent off in Dublin in twenty sixteen for it, and yet they're still doing the same thing and. It, it's it's really interesting to me that this coaching ticket don't you know that they're under pressure that there's a, a more popular candidate outside this outside the setup there's a arguably better candidate within the setup now in Joe Schmidt Scott Robertson is the other one I'm talking about and Foster doesn't seem particularly popular and he's losing matches at a rate that no New Zealand coach can sustain so you know it's as Matt said it is a bit of a, like I I I I believe Ireland should go would be important for Ireland to back up their performance and, and there's a series there to be won and while Saturday was history winning a series would be up there with grand slams in, in, in my book but the the pressure is not on them this week if they you know if they go and they lose narrowly or they give it a good 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 rattle they can go on their holidays pretty satisfied that they've won in New Zealand if New Zealand lose there's players who'll never play for New Zealand again there's a captain a coach who may lose their jobs. And Razi Erasmus has done every coach uh, a disservice by coming in midway through a World Cup cycle or late in a World Cup cycle and winning a World Cup because everyone thinks now it doesn't matter about the four years. You can just get someone in 18 months out and they can turn things around, especially when you've got the resources that New Zealand have. So the pressure on them this week is absolutely phenomenal. And while looking at the New Zealand Herald this afternoon, they're putting pressure on World Rugby and the referees. They're also putting pressure on... The All Blacks, who are a two, sorry, a hundred million euro brand, who've just been sold to a private equity firm, and they didn't want to, buy, they didn't buy that for a losing team. They bought an aura, and if that aura is steadily diminished, then New Zealand rugby is going to be in trouble. And if the money stops flowing in, the more of their players will move on, and that's an existential crisis. We're not at that point yet, but if they lose the series to Ireland on home soil, you know, there's not much aura about that. Matt, New Zealand, not the market leaders or thought leaders they once were. Do you know, Joe's fact. New Zealand stock market went down on Monday morning there. <laughs> it's a fact. <laughs> it's, that's, that's New Zealand rugby. New Zealand rugby only has two modes, elation and crisis. And it's a great weakness in them. That's why they didn't win a World Cup after the initial one until their home one in 2000 and, uh, was it 2009, wasn't it? Now, the, the, and you'd see this week, yeah. their performance in the park was, was very, very good performance, elation. They lose a game, crisis, and it's an exceptionally Which, to be fair, that's exceptionally to be fair, sorry, hard. To, sorry to interrupt, Matt. It is, it is off the back of losing more tests in a calendar year than they've lost in a very long time, if not quite their history last year. And now they've had all this prep time for this tour, and look what they've served up again. So actually, it's not just a blip; it's not just one loss amidst a, a CV of excellence of late. It, well, you're right, Joe, but they're still ranked number one in the world, and that's done over a 12-month period. So they did lose some games. But unless New Zealand, in New Zealand, never lose a game, there's a problem. And the, that, the reason is they've had this incredible run over a decade. I, mean, you, I, I was only thinking about it. I think the out-halves they've had since, since the great Grant Fox, followed by Mertens, followed by Carter, 
now, now followed by Barrett, you can kind of fit Richie Mullinger in the, in the starting 15. They have had such extraordinary talent that they just think it's their God-given right to win. And that's not good for world rugby. I know what Rory's saying, that's not good for world rugby. I don't give a bugger about New Zealand rugby. What's good for world rugby? It's good if the Wallabies come out and beat them. It's good if South Africa come out and beat them. It's good if they don't win the World Cup. That's good for, for everyone. It'd be great if a, a country like Ireland could win the World Cup. So I I'm, I'm really hope New Zealand lose. I don't, I don't really care about them because I can tell you as an Australian, they're not very good partners to Australia. They've already threatened to walk out in Australia. Unfortunately, we've got Australia's got a chairman now that stood up to him and said, well, good, you go, we'll do what we want. The, the New Zealand, and, and again, what Rory's saying about their, their high shots in their tackles, I mean, they think that they're, they're and, and I give uh, referee Piper a lot of credit. Did you hear what he said? I'm not backing off. When they were, when they were deliberately cheating in, in, on their try line, lifting the legs in the rucks, doing everything that we know New Zealand sides do when you're 15 metres from their try line, they've done for years where they deliberately cheat to stop you scoring a try. Piper was saying, well, you're down to 13. If you do it again, I'll make you down to 12 and I'm not backing off. That's great. That's what world rugby needs. Now, if they're so stupid, they do headshots. And listen, I've got to say, that headshot, that red card, if, if, I know the root card rules, there's no way they meant that. That was a collision. That was done at high pace, uh, and, and he smashed his head. He knocked himself out. That's a collision. But there is no doubt what they are doing is pushing the laws to their nth degree, and they've done that. Now, if New Zealand rugby needs to lose some games before they pull their heads in, well, that's not our fault. We can, you know, you know, who's who, who owns the problem? They own the problem. What can Ireland do? Ireland can just go out and keep sending a message that come the World Cup, if we play you, we're not too scared anymore. And that's a really good message. And that's exactly what the Australians did through the nineties, and it's what England did. And it's what it's what will if Ireland can put in a really good performance this week. They but they've already done it on that second test. You know, and if New Zealand rugby wants to self-implode, well, and the stock market drops, you know, it's not our problem. And the last one on Foster, Matt. Do you think he's close to the edge here if he loses? Uh, I don't think he's close to the edge if he loses this game. But I think uh, through the series in the championship, he's definitely on notice. And it's not Joe Schmidt, it's Scotty Robinson that will uh, come in there. And uh, Scotty's a fabulous person. Fabulous coach. I thought he should have got the gig uh, when it came up. Scott's personality is a bit different. He's an extrovert. You can see him doing his break dancing when they win a test. And, you know, maybe that's not everyone's cup of tea in New Zealand rugby. I don't know. But he is a great coach. He's got great results. Great bloke. Players love him. Uh, and, and having Schmidt there as his, as his backup. And, I, you know, I, I, uh, Rory might know more than me. I haven't never spoken to Joe about it, but I don't think Joe wants that sort of pressure ever again in his life. I think he's quite happy part of the part of the group and doing it, but I don't think he wants that, that pressure again. And I, I think Scotty Robinson would be fantastic. Whether he gets it now or it's after the World Cup, Scott Robinson's the next coach. Hmm. We, we remiss, remiss of us, uh, Rory, not to discuss Jakob Piper. I mean, it was an extraordinary period where it was card after card and incident after incident. So how did he do? <sighs> Matt was very generous to him there because he was warning Sam Kane, who just dived in at the side of a mall and killed the ball after the mall had already been pulled down, and like that was, you know, it was a nailed on Ireland try, and he just killed it. And he was getting a warning after he just done the thing that he was being warned about. But um, I thought he lost control in the first half. Um, Matt's right. I mean, it was a collision, but 
you've got to set, he's, he's still st- stepping into contact high. You've got to brace yourself for that. Like sometimes it is unavoidable. Like Frank Anuku, you know, jumps high, follows through in the way CJ Stander did in 2016 against Pat Lambie and he got a red card and it's very unfortunate on both players because you know he doesn't go out to do it but you know under the, by the letter the way the game is being refereed at the moment if you make contact in that way if, if you're not preparing yourself for the contact then you know that, that you're putting yourself in danger of getting a red card I mean you had the you know you should have been reduced to 12 men a la Italy in the Six Nations when when they um had both of the props sent off or you know off the pitch and uh went to uncontested scrums he missed that they got it wrong on the Ardi Sevea thing. So Ardi Sevea should have been allowed to return onto the pitch, and um, that's been clarified since. Um, you know, that's a big call. You know, Dalton Bopley is not as good as Ardi Sevea. They could have done with him over the rest of the game. It was a hard game to referee, but I think, you know, even the, some of the language that he used as he, he mitigated, he was mitigating against um, Tovu before he even saw a replay. He was kind of, you know. I just want like the way he spoke to Kane was just so almost apologetic as he was making decisions. Um, you know, he wasn't listening to Johnny Sexton at times. I thought it was a really weird performance. At the same time, he whistled New Zealand off the park at the breakdown, which was what Ireland wanted after t- test test one, and he and he and he was quite strong in that area. So it wasn't all bad, but the first half was crazy. It was a really really strange game, and, and it disrupted Ireland's momentum in some ways. Um, you know, I think Fanganuka could have got red. If we go over, you know, this, you know, I've talked to people within the Irish camp, and they've said that they're confused by that ruling because that you know, Standard was sent off a couple of years ago for the, pretty much the exact same thing, um, and the penalty try, we shouldn't forget the penalty try that that, that wasn't, you know, the Gary Ringos gets hauled down off the ball, it's a yellow card, but he, he's making up cover, like he's looking saying Aaron Smith will cover across and get him. Aaron Smith's no like Gary Ringos is fast, no one's catching him there. It's it's a really strange call. So it, you know, even that should come into the conversation with twenty two efficiency as well, Ireland should have scored there and, and were, were denied um, a try. So, yeah, erratic, I think, is the, is the word that I'm, you know, to, at the end of a long answer, I could have just used one word. It was pretty erratic. Okay. Er- erratic with plenty of bad in there, Matt. Yeah, yeah. If you looked at the uh, officiating in the two tests in Australia and New Zealand, it was absolutely mad. You know, the Australian boy getting a yellow carded for going for an intercept, he misses the intercept by centimetres, if he takes it, he's going to definitely score. He's going to go 80 under the post. But his hand up and knocks it on, he gets, he gets yellow carded. Like, the laws and the way that the, the, the officials are forced to interpret them, they don't give them any leeway. There is no mitigating circumstances, no a, a, anything in there. Now, a lot of what Rory said is absolutely correct. But our officiating and our laws are just crazy. And you could see the farce about Savia coming on, they're counting numbers and who goes off, who goes where, it, 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 it's, it's crazy. But I think there are two separate issues here. I think there are accidents and players' instincts. You know, even Marcus Smith getting yellow card, he stick, stuck his hand out. Well, there's no way Marcus Smith goes and says, I'm going to stick my hand out and knock that ball down. It's an instinctive one. It's a horrific law. There's a big, big difference to a player driving into a ruck using his shoulder or deliberately, like, like uh, Kane did, deliberately say, I'm going to break the law. And that's the hard part for the referees. When you've got teams that just say, I'm going to break the law, I don't care because breaking the law benefits, benefits my team, it really places our officials in a hard spot. And the New Zealanders do not play to the spirit of the game. That's where they can get done for repeated infringements. But I did think the officiating was, was quite poor across both those test matches. And it's, it's, it remains a massive problem in our game. The laws remain a massive problem in our game. 
uh, that force our officials to not be able to use some sort of mitigating circumstances and look at the look at those individual situations. Having said that, Ireland were very much within the laws of the game. Ireland were very very disciplined and and were good at the breakdown. And to give Piper his credit, he pinged New Zealand a lot more than a lot of referees do in New Zealand. The referees get very intimidated in New Zealand. Yeah, and, and that, I suppose, brings um, the third test into a degree of focus then, because after the first test, Andy Farrell went very public with his misgivings about how the breakdown was refereed. And so you, there does seem, and rugby is one of those sports, there are a few of them where there does seem to be big swings on the basis of how one week goes into the next. So now there will be a real degree, I suspect, of New Zealand pressure on how the re- breakdown was refereed and, and certain decisions. And it's Barnes, isn't it, Rory, for the third test? Yeah. So are we anticipating, I mean, I, I get the general sense Ireland don't love Wayne Barnes being their referee. Are we anticipating like vastly different situation at the breakdown in, in week three and like an entirely different game? And, and by the way, like it's, it is a real um, black mark against rugby that the referees have such a bearing on the outcome. Like it is such a pity, but it, it's that kind of a sport. It's very technical. But uh, that is going to be a, a war all in itself this week between the two camps trying to get to Barnes. Yeah, I think up until recently there was a urinal in, in Queenstown with Wayne Barnes' uh, image on it. Um, so New Zealand don't like him much either after the, the World Cup a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, I don't think he is a very popular figure. With I, I don't think Ireland would have chosen him as the ref this week. At the same time, he's very experienced and so is Piper. You know, Piper's a really experienced referee and these games are borderline ungovernable at times. You know, the, 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 as Matt said, the law book is complicated. The... You know, HIAs, uncontested scrums, the amount of red cards in the game are, are making it very difficult to referee. The, you know, the stop-start nature of it, the, the replays, all that sort of stuff. And you're right. I mean, the, the biggest celebrity, in, well, one of the biggest celebrities in the game is 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 a retired referee. You know, in, in Nigel Owens, and like you know, the, the, most other sports they don't really talk about the ref that much. You know, it's it's certainly not in the build-up to games. They might if there's a big decision, but the, you know, the, it's a central narrative. We're talking about it here, if, you know, at, at length because he will play a massive role and. This series is mirroring the 2017 Lions um, series where New Zealand got off to a really strong start. Um, the Lions w- won after a red card in the second test and it came down to a really bad refereeing decision in the last minute that denied New Zealand the series win. Um, um, Roman Pot, I saw Roman Pot in the airport the next day and I, like wandering around just like a lost soul after making the biggest error of, of his career, you know, and it, that was, uh, like that, that shouldn't, keep happening it should you know the sport should be learning from this and no doubt Wayne Barnes will have a big influence on the game next weekend and I I can only hope that his experience means that he makes gets most of these big decisions right because like every breakdown is about six penalties that he could possibly give and it's whatever way he's interpreting that weekend and whoever adapts to him more um will will get on the right right side of it so yeah like they're too influential but at this point it's not going to change at this week this point of this series you know it's Mm. a long-term fix um you know they're going to have to. Both teams are going to have to adapt and and get get on side, and they'll have meetings on this week. And they'll be you know, they basically both send back dossiers of clips like Razi Erasmus's video last year is an example of what they do, and and they'll both be trying to influence how they're thinking ahead of this week and getting clarity on all those things. Matt's been in those meetings; he'll give us mm. more insight into that. But it's uh, like that's that's a that's where the battle starts, you know. And maybe you know Ireland have this game tomorrow tomorrow morning that like that's a little bit of it. It's great for the development of the squad and everything. It's but a bit bit of a distraction for them. Um, as they, you know, I suppose it gets the, the first half of the week over and done with. But I mean, New Zealand have full focus on the weekend, so that's a little bit of an advantage in their favour. We mentioned Sexton, Matt. Who else stood out for you from an Irish point of view? A lot of really good performances there. Gee, yeah. 
So Byrne was enormous. Well, you know, uh, it, it'd be wrong of me to lose someone. I thought I thought the majority of the players played exceptional rugby. You know, and, and when I say exceptional rugby, you know, you look at Porter. He carried the ball. He scrummaged. His line-out lifting was exceptional, and he defended brilliantly. Uh, it, 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 then, then you know that that you, you look across at at the back rowers, Peter Omani. Well, I, two years ago I thought Peter was finished, and I certainly thought he could never do 80 minutes of a test. He just wasn't aerobically fit enough anymore. The only way you get that aerobically fit doesn't take any talent. It just takes really hard work. So Peter has obviously gone away and worked exceptionally hard in his game, and he had an outstanding game as a leader uh, and as a player. He, he was phenomenal. And he played rugby at a level that I didn't believe he could anymore. And, and, and full credit to him and, and the staff for doing it. And when Andy Farrell selected him again, I thought, whoa, okay. But, you know, just brilliant footy. Just, just absolutely brilliant from him. And, and, and if you look at, at that team, there's a lot of belief within the team on each other. Like, you know, Jamison Gibson Park is getting to that breakdown and getting the ball away at such speed that in the first test, the forwards weren't organised. So here's the belief the forwards have in the second test. We've got to get there faster because Gibson Park's going to get there and get the ball away. And if he gets there that fast and gets the ball away and we can get there, we can run at the props, we'll find space. So the whole... Like environment within the team is based on a belief and a trust, and they're trusting the coaches to pick the right side, and then the players come out and deliver. You know that that's that's one of those wins. You're going to remember. Well, they're going to remember the rest of their life. But B, you sit back and you go, "Geez, that, that you know we we did a lot of good thinking. We as a group, we did a lot of good thinking and a lot of good planning, yeah. and then we executed it really well. And and that that's where that that belief that grows and moves on into World Cups. That's where it comes from. So, so it, to come back, Joe, mm. it, it's it's not who didn't play well. It's the fact that the synergy of the group was such that it gave them that performance. And and that's just – it's just so rare and beautiful to watch. I mean, it was – I was sitting there at about the – probably about the 74th minute talking to myself, which is not a good sign, is it, because there's no one else to know what to say out loud. They're bloody well going to do this. They're going to do this. And and you, you could almost see them saying it on the field, see the bench saying, we are going to do it. And that, that's life-changing for, for athletes and teams. It was it was a really special moment, I've got to say, a really, really special moment. Yeah. Rory, I was just reading, so I saw um, Van der Fleer had 21 tackles, Furlong 15, like O'Mahony off the charts. Ron Nagara saying it's as good a sexton performance as he's seen. Uh, Kalen Doris responds to quite an ish game first test. Like You kind of keep on going. Um, really remarkable. I don't know if there's anyone that we should mention that we haven't. I think James Ryan has come in for a lot of, a lot of criticism in recent weeks and, and a lot of us just been justified. He's been quiet. He hasn't had the influence on games that he, he has had in the past. And I know he gave away a couple of penalties and, and was sent off for the yellow card. But he went after the New Zealand line-out really well. I thought he caused them all sorts of problems. He threw a lovely pass. I think it was in the build-up to the first try, which is an area of his game that, that people, well, you know, a lot of people think he doesn't have in the same way as, as other players. So I thought he bounced back from a pretty disappointing first test. 
like you know, just a, you know, Omani. You got to look at the context of Omani's career. He's, it's his first time back in New Zealand since he was dropped as Lions captain and taken off after fifty minutes of a test of the biggest honour of his life. And he's dominating games and and kind of winning massive moments against the, the, the same team that that dominated him back then. You know, and he always plays well. Apart from that first test of the Lions in twenty six uh, seventeen, he, he you know he always plays well against New Zealand. Even in twenty nineteen World Cup when everything was going against Ireland, Omani carried the fight. It was him who kept the, the, the flame going. It was the, He was the one man in Tokyo who still believed that Ireland could get something out of the game and, and I, I always admire him for that. And um, He hasn't always been brilliant for Munster this season but when the big games come he, he, he delivers and he, he just seems to go up a few notches in that green jersey and you know, he, he's been dropped several times by Andy Farrell. You know, Andy Farrell has, has, has moved him out of the team. He's, he started Doris and Conan ahead of him and he's you know he's in there now and, and he's, he's merited it as well and you know he's keeping lads like Coombs out of the 23. You know, Coombs is was the best player in the Mary game. He's he had you know he's got a lot more kind of box office uh, attributes than Omani. Like he wins collisions, he's a big carrier. But what Omani brings in terms of his warrior spirit is his leadership, but also his ability to kick a fifty twenty two and and all those sort of, those sort of things. You know, it was a remarkable performance from a player as as Matt said who. who you know, a lot, you know, I've written off at times over the years. Uh, you know, and Andy Farrell has, has has kind of said, "I'm you're not key to me." You know, you're a bench player for me at times over the last couple of years as well, and he's just keeps coming back stronger, and that's really impressive. Well, he's passed HIA too, which we're all becoming increasingly aware of, and uh, that would suggest he'll be in line to play at the weekend. So that's a boost uh, in terms of a man's availability. Uh, one last point on the HIA theme: we had Barry O'Driscoll with us last week, and he expressed uh, the same reservations. You've probably heard him express for much of the last decade about how uh, rugby is, is handling the uh, concussion situation. Just a thought, Rory, was there any obvious reason to you as to why Mac Hansen wouldn't have gone off for a HIA for that hit, that high hit early on? You know, uh, yeah, um, he probably should have. Yeah, I, like they they chatted to him. I thought, after I, I watched the first half again this morning and I... And I, the way they shape, but you're right, he didn't didn't. Came, I yeah, I mean, under the way the thing is being done, and the fact that he had a heavy collision to the head, it probably would have been you know judicious to get him off, check him, and, and get him back on if he's clear. If they didn't, I, yeah, I, I thought he did, but obviously now that, now that you mentioned it, he didn't. So um, yeah, I think that's one that you know he probably should have. I, I don't know because it's a bit similar to Dave, um, uh, Dave Heffernan in the first test where they had a chat with him left them on for a few minutes and then they got Heffernan off two and a half minutes later you know if you have a heavy collision to the head you should be you know just withdrawn for the for the for the to check you know that's the you, that's the whole point of the process so yeah I had, sorry I hadn't given that a lot of to thought Joe but now that you mention it it's a, it's a fair point okay well I think World Rugby are going to come on the show this week so we might chat them about it generally our uh, rugby coverage off the ball is with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us final word to you Matt Williams uh, we're anticipating the mother and father of all responses from New Zealand next Saturday. Well, Joe, if I was Andy Farrell, I'd be playing mind games big time. And I would play my bench, I'd take my good players out, I'd start Carberry and say to New Zealand, we don't care, we've already got your measure, and give these other guys time. In the big scheme of things, does it really matter? Everyone's going to go, yeah, it does, it does, it does. Tell you what matters, and what matters most to Irish rugby has done since 1987 is to get out of the quarterfinals and make semi-finals at a World Cup. That's what matters. And I would play the mind games in the ceiling and say, "Well, okay, if we lose the third test, but we played all our kids and or or our secondary players to give them experience in case someone gets injured in the last pool game 
in the World Cup and we're playing New Zealand the next week. Now, there's a chance they could play France, but let's just assume France win at home against New Zealand. To me, the winning of the Test Series, you know, that's for the fans. That's okay. I get it. I get it. But if you're going to think strategically, say, what is the big picture here? It's the World Cup. They need to start Carberry. They need to start guys who may have to play in a super big game on a really big day. And this is what's happened to Irish rugby over many World Cups where they haven't done it. Let's think of Ian Madigan. Let's, get, let's think of these guys that haven't been given the opportunity on a really big day. Don't play them against Italy. That's not a big day. This is a big day and here's your chance. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Andy Farrell will, and, the, and the pressure from within the group will be too much. I think they'll play their, their um, similar team to what they played last week. And it's going to be a very close game. New Zealand won't play as bad. For sure, they can't. Uh, Rory might know. I don't, can't remember the last time New Zealand lost two tests in a row at home. So you've got to say New Zealand will come back hard. They're very hard to beat in Wellington as well. The cake tin is not a pleasant place, but usually blowing a gale and can be, <laughs> can be wet. But it's still going to be a fascinating game either way. We won't know what, uh, what Farrell will do, what mind games he plays, or does he just front up. So it's a, it's a really, again, fascinating game. Either way, it's advantage Irish rugby. Winning that second test, it doesn't matter. That's advantage Irish rugby going into the World Cup. How do you maximise that advantage now? That's the question. Fellas, we have to leave it there. Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent, Matt Williams. Thank you both. Cheers, guys. Pleasure, mate. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.